Hey there. Welcome back to another episode of the Healthcare Leadership Mindset. I'm your host, Yolanda Gonzalez. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of co-hosting with Jenica James. Jenica is a manager of health education at Kaiser Permanente and the host of the Essential and Empowered podcast, which is a platform that inspires millennial women within healthcare. I actually met Jenica via social media, and we learned that we had very similar paths within healthcare administration. So I'm super excited to have you listen in and learn a little bit more about our experiences. I will be linking her podcast and her social media handles in the show notes. It would strongly recommend you click on the links to learn more. But let's go ahead and get started. Jenica, can you give me some background on yourself and your current role? My name's Jenica James. I am, I guess, a Californian through and through. I was born in a small rural town, but I live in the Bay Area, like the San Francisco Bay Area. And currently, I'm um, an administrative manager over the health education department, which um, encompasses everything from preventative health, um, as well as prenatal health, tobacco cessation, and uh, diabetes figuring out ways that we can prevent people from getting into the hospital in the first place. Um, and you know, now with COVID having really shook the healthcare system, um, you know, people who were pre-diabetic are now in the, the diabetic range or who were not um, diabetic before are now in the pre-diabetic range. So how do we offer resources, how do we offer health education courses and access to people to to inspire behavior and motivational change. So that's really what our team does and, you know, what I'm I'm a part of and what inspired the Essential Empowered podcast was not trying to create like an intimidating space because it could be intimidating when you hear someone who's been in the role for like 50 years. I think one of the things that I love when I ran across the podcast that you created, that's completely new when you look into the space of healthcare. And so I I think what I saw you do was really take healthcare administration, which tends to be a more traditional pathway, but you're really, we're one of the first to kind of dive into this podcast or dive into the social media space and share your pathway and in your story. So how did you decide on an MPH and how are you using that within your role today? I, I was intending on going to medical school, applied twice. I got in the second time, um, you know, but you know how there's like a gap year before going into medical school. I ended up getting a fellowship at that time in that gap year. And that was the fellowship that completely just changed my life. Um, I want to say that from years and years of experience and trying different things, like from being a waitress to being a, a medical assistant, to being a receptionist, a research assistant, I was like, yes, I like that. No, I don't like that. I like bits and pieces of this. I don't like bits and pieces of that. Um, and really my background, like what you said what those things that um motivated you like i like i say said i grew up in the central valley of california it's a lot more rural and um you know again not as many resources the the nearest hospital is about 20 minutes away when i went to the bay area and everything like you said like your project is just so accessible to you i remember Mm -hmm. 
volunteering at a, at a clinic and this gentleman came in, he was like 90 years old coming in for arthritis. I'm like, what? And here I am, my grandparents already have passed at 80 with diabetes and dialysis and kidney failure. And that to me was like the disparity that opened my eyes. Like, why is it that there are some communities who flourish um, and who don't? And that those life experiences of growing up kind of in rural California and then coming to a more progressive area like the Bay Area just just has always been carried with me. And so, um, you know, I, while I got into medical school and I declined that acceptance, um, I was able to get the fellowship in more hospital operations and business and and improving systems. Where I work, the mission is about getting, giving people high quality and affordable access to healthcare. And that was my, that is still what drives me today is the fact of how do we get those people who are living in such um, um, rural, rural areas or um, less resourced areas access to resources. Um, and so that is kind of really how I carry my lens now today. As we are building programs for preventative health programs for patients and members, it's always thinking about like, what is going to be easiest for the member in mind? Like, how do we um, provide them the best access to care? And so even though every day could be like, you know, day-to-day -day staffing or, or budget or things, you carry those experiences with you. You carry that MPH lens with you of thinking about that ecological model for the patient, you know, like, even um, I, over, I'm, I oversee two health education centers. One is in Vallejo, which is a little bit more urban city. And then one is in Napa. And everyone thinks Napa, you know, you think of like wine country. And, and, and absolutely, it's two different populations, two different types of approaches to, per, per, to preventative care. And, you know, keeping that population lens in mind when you're running your day-to-day -day operations. So I think that that's kind of how I um, am able to merge that MPH background into how you lead and what you influence for change in the system. I'm so fascinated at the fact that you turned down your opportunity to go into, you know, medical school and instead chose to pursue a pathway into healthcare administration. And it sounds like it was because of this experience within the fellowship program. Mm -hmm. So could you tell me a little bit, like, how did you even hear about a fellowship program? What made you decide to apply to that? Yeah, so um, I applied for a, an internship. It was a grad uh, school level internship focused on health equity at the current company that I'm at right now. For anyone who's in an internship trying to go for a job, you got to like go in there hungry, you know, like your foot, one foot is in the door, get both of them in and your whole entire body in, you know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And so I think for me, it was like, okay, what can I do to like secure a job for this next year? And like, when you're thinking like right place, right time, um, at that time, they were just opening this new hospital operations fellowship and they were all, because it was a pilot, they were only offering it to those 
that year's like summer grad school uh, interns. And, you know, I th- I had no idea what hospital operations meant. All I had was this like MPH background. And I, you know, I threw my hat in, in there and um, out of all the applicants, there was two accepted for the inaugural year. And I was like one of the two. And um, so that's kind of how I heard about it. I had no clue, you know, full transparency that fellowships even existed. It's, it's really just kind of like learning and finding resources. And for those who don't know what a fellowship is, the best way I describe it is kind of like you're an intern, but like an intern on steroids almost, you know, (laughs) because as an intern, you have small projects, but as a fellow, like, yes, you're still kind of in that intern stage and they're going to guide and they're going to help you out. You have extensive mentors, but then you also have this added responsibility that you have to produce results and you have to get things done. They still have a lot of leadership development, but it's also an opportunity to prove yourself, you know? And so that's kind of how I landed in it. And it was um, a one-year fellowship where I spent six months in the regional corporate offices learning about strategy and um, the overall kind of yeah, the overall strategy of the business. And then the second six months was actually spent in a hospital where I got to do like performance improvement work and work as like a performance improvement consultant and really learn what is it like to be on the grounds in the hospital with the staff. And ever since then, I've like, oh, I've been in the medical center setting. And I don't know about your fellowship experience, but it was really stressful, right? You get kind of like top-notch access to the executive leaders and it's not just 40 hours. I mean, they give you a work phone and you're, you're expected to kind of just take it and run, you know, and, and do projects, extra projects, extra time. So I'm just curious, like, what was your fellowship experience like? How did you get into yours? I had heard about a fellowship when I was in my first year of graduate school, and that's when I started looking a little bit more into the program. And the more I looked into it, the more I thought it was such an amazing opportunity. Like you go into an organization and you're maybe one of the only fellows they take or one of two. So it's almost as if the fellowship experience can be tailored to you as well. I heard about the Mass General Fellowship. It was one of the more well-established fellowships that I had applied to. Um, It's been in place for um, a little bit over 45 years. It's rotation and project-based, so they have a set amount of time that you spend in each rotation. Your first year is defined as your um, kind of foundational year, so you spend six months in patient care services, immersed in the clinical setting, and then you spend six months in finance where you're really learning about the budgeting process as well as the revenue cycle process. And then your second year is what they kind of call like the capstone year. So you kind of take what you've learned and then you get to apply it within these different different um, areas. So um, I spent a couple months in human resources um, and patient advocacy, a rotation with the president's office, our physician's organization. I mean, two years sounds like a long time, but it goes by so fast. So I can't even imagine like how 
fast one year goes by. One of the questions that I had for you was in the fellowship that you were involved in, um, you were one of the two who were kind of first chosen to go through this program. So what was it like for you? Like, what was that experience? Not really even kind of like you didn't have anyone else to look to, to who had done it before. Right. Yeah. So because of that, like, it was kind of like a good and a bad thing. Right. So because it was the first year of this hospital operations fellowship, things weren't like set in stone. It was basically like, as you know, even today, like building the plan as you're flying And, um, so for that, because I was the first one, like we were the first two, I was very like clear, like, this is what I want to learn. You know, I, I was very, um, transparent of kind of, you know, I want to learn about like money. I want to learn about budget. I love performance improvement. I want to learn about that. So in a way I was able to pave my own path for that, but because it was so new, like the path was still like unknown. And so what I really did was lean on my mentors. And as a fellow, I just like grabbed opportunities. Like they didn't, they don't just come to you. I guess in a nutshell, it was just kind of like paving my own path. But at the same time, I felt this pressure, like you said, that, you know, you had, because I was the, we were the first ones, I felt like I had to like perform <laughs> over the top. You know, I think that's kind of um, just how it felt for me, but it was also just very transformative because it was so brand new. And now I just love being able to now mentor the other fellows who are going through the program. And um, they've had like three different um, cohorts go on again, two each um, since I've started. That's amazing. I, I think you set the bar pretty high and it really is up to the fellow who can come in and you can make that experience what you want it to. So mm-hmm. it, even though the structure is the same, the experience can look so different depending on who goes into the fellowship process. And to your point, like grabbing those opportunities that are available and voicing the experiences that you want to have, those are so important to do in order to make sure like you're having a voice and what you're getting exposure and what you're learning about. So I I really love that you shared that about your journey. Yeah. And I think one common thing that I, I found like just listening to your experience and, and mine is like, again, this VIP access to these leaders, these resources, networking. So for anyone who's interested in you know, applying or doing a fellowship, I think it's really the perfect opportunity, especially fresh out of grad school, like you don't really have experience, right? And the the jobs that you're applying for might require years of experience. And you don't really know what you're passionate about or don't really know what you're good at or not good at. Um, I think it's a great opportunity to be, it's a, it's a great exploration phase, I think, if you will. Um, to get your foot into the door and then get more experience while you're exploring what you like personally as yourself. A fellowship is such a great way to grow your network. Mm-hmm. And most times, you know, you're in the same organization that you were when you started the fellowship. You know, a lot of times they want to retain you and, and keep you on. And part of what 
others, you know, as you're navigating the healthcare space, it is a lot about collaborations or the relationships you develop along the way because you cannot do it all by yourself. And so I think something that was really helpful for me um, as I got out of the, you know, fellowship and went into my first role was I could kind of um, look back at my fellowship experience, look at the relationships I had made and established over the past two years and still use those in my day-to-day now. So if I have a question about finance, I know who to contact from finance. Or if I have a question from HR, like I know who to reach out to. And you don't have to know all the answers, but it's about, you know, like, do you know who to reach out to? Do you know who needs to be in the room together to get the answer that you're seeking? So um, I would just say that those are kind of um, some tidbits of advice as people are thinking about fellowships or considering going into a fellowship. Yeah, I love that. And so kind of transitioning into, you know, what your day-to-day looks like as a director, right? It's, or as a manager, um, people expect you to know all the answers. And so how do you um, navigate that? Like what does your day-to-day look like? Part of my role, um, you know, is overseeing strategy, operations, you know, finance and personnel. You know, for example, my, today I started off with a staff meeting. We have a joint commission uh, survey coming up. So it's really just recapping, you know, with the staff, getting them prepared, having a conversation around that topic. And then my next meeting was meeting with one of the chiefs of the divisions that I help support and going through how we were doing, um, you know, in terms of our volume, our charges, our payments, kind of seeing if there was any opportunity for us as we're kind of looking over the next couple months and where we can optimize. And, um, you know, one our one of our big areas is, is optimizing our advanced practice providers who we have on our team. So the conversation was really kind of focused on that as well. And then afterwards, someone just randomly came in my office to talk to me about like an operational issues and make sure that I set aside time to say, let's chat for 15 minutes and let's see, like, what can I help you do? what can we resolve in this point in time? And then if we need to, we can have another checkpoint later on. So, I mean, those are just kind of a few examples of some things that come up in the day-to-day. But, you know, I I was curious to hear about how that day-to-day looks like for you and if you have any like seasonal impacts within your role. I love what you said, strategy, operations, finance, and personnel. I, I, I like you seriously like categorize it perfectly in my brain because I feel like it's a rotation of those four things all the time. You know, it's not like, um, it's not always the same finance issue or not always the same personnel issue, but it's like a, a nice rotation of those. I would say like, it's hard to say like seasonal because I feel like right now in healthcare, we're being very reactive, you know, to the pandemic and COVID-19 and whatever is coming to us, then we just evolve and create a new workflow for for that. Um, Because this is all new. No one has ever gone through this before. Administrators, we're all trying to figure it out. And so it's hard to say like what seasonal seasonality looks like when it just felt like when I started this role, it just has been so um, uncertain and dynamic and changing. And just building off what you said, every day is just not the same. And um, 
you know, I would just say it's kind of like what you said too, is like, you just have your different hats that you wear, like, you know, throughout the week, like, you know, the beginning of the week, it could be, like you said, a strategy meeting for us. Like today it was focusing on talking to one of our chiefs of quality and figuring out, okay, these are our tobacco numbers aren't looking too great. Like how can we figure out a different approach to our outreach to make sure that we are still able to access and provide resources to our members for tobacco cessation and meet our quality goals. Um, And then on the other hand, it was, operations and personnel, like, do I have my staffing for the week, um, for the next week for the, the, the front entrances of the door? Um, another thing was there was an upset member who missed their appointment and wants to talk to the manager and I need to support my staff through that and, you know, do service recovery for that member to see, you know, what can we do to help them? Um, or it's, um, you know, just, I don't know, like you said, it's just like so different day to day, but at, at the same time, it's, um, you know, starting in the week, I was talking to our finance team about, you know, going over my business case of new staffing and what performance improvement work that we've done with our staff to, you know, optimize what they call waste or reduce waste so that we can be more efficient and have the business case uh, more reasonable and more, more likely to be approved. So I just think that, um, in healthcare leadership, it's a lot of balancing those four hats that you nicely summarize. When you come into management, it's shifting that focus from your individual con- contributions to how can you make your team be contributing to the whole picture, right? And I think that's like the biggest the biggest thing there. So when I go into work, I'm like, okay, what are the top three things I want to accomplish today, knowing that everything else is extra credit. So I'm like, okay, Monday, like I'm thinking Monday is pay payroll Monday. I got to get everybody paid. I need to run this meeting and I need to talk to the staff about the new tobacco cessation process. Boom, done. Everything else I'm like, Outside of that is extra credit for me because it, it could get so overwhelming to want to try to do everything. I think that that's something I honestly still struggle with is I am um, addicted is a strong word, but I do love my to-do list. And I think we do get kind of some satisfaction of crossing yes. those things off. I'm curious to hear from you. How do you, I guess, manage stress, especially maybe the stress that came from like managing through the COVID pandemic? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing as management, right, especially when things are so unknown and I'm still building trust with my team because there were initiatives that came down that I had no control over. And as a manager, you're the middleman and you have to deliver it. And you're delivering a message that you still don't even understand the whole why, but you know that it was supposed to be done yesterday and you gotta get your team on board. And I think what I've learned through that process with managing that stress of trying to carry it all is being very transparent with my team and just saying, okay, 
This is the new initiative that is happening, and it's a very quick turnaround time. Unfortunately, we have to get it done by the end of this week. Um, how can I support you to do this? I don't know all the answers. <laughs> I will try to get as much information that I can for you, but I don't know all the answers right now, but, and just throwing that out there. Um, managing those tough conversations and saying, this is actually very uncomfortable for me too, to, to have to tell you, you know, I feel uncomfortable and I also feel nervous, but that's where I'm going to lean in on you all to help us get through this together. Cause I'm in the same boat as you, you know, and I cannot do this without you. And I feel like being transparent and being very clear has helped release some of that stress of the unknown um, and leading teams in a very unknown state. That is so good. You fully just admit like, you know, I'm in there with you on this, you know, I'm navigating this at the same time you are like, there is just this sense of, you know, vulnerability that you have with your team when you, when you say that, but I think it creates more trust emphasizing that team approach to it. And kind of, like you said, leaning on each other to get through whatever needs to be um, completed. I think one thing that I really loved about connecting with you too is obviously, you know, obviously women of color, like young and navigating this very traditional field, very traditional healthcare field. So how have you navigated that on your end? And like, what advice would you give someone who is listening and considering your path? And they're like, I look like you, like I want to, I could do this, but I'm scared. Having a mentor is so important in navigating um, different things that come up in your career. So, you know, I was very fortunate to have mentors throughout the fellowship, but also have mentors, you know, that I that I found in, in other areas as well, like outside of MGH. And they have been so helpful in kind of helping me understand the politics of the organization or if there's maybe an idea that I have, but, you know, you know, for example, I think when I first started, it's intimidating sometimes to be at the table and to kind of, um, you know, be the voice and represent the, the different areas that you're representing, but that's why you're there. Um, but I think it always helps to have someone like a mentor who you can kind of talk with personally and say, oh, like, here's this idea that I have. And they can kind of work with you and kind of say, oh, like, that's a good idea. And like, have you thought about this or this? Or like, what if you get asked this question? And to kind of have that prep before you go into a meeting, whenever you're presenting that idea or, 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 um, or story or whatever you're trying to get across, like, that has been so helpful. I definitely have mentors who think very differently than I do. I value their advice and I think they help me see things in a way that I typically wouldn't. So I would definitely recommend, um, you know, when you're looking for a mentor, it's always great to have someone who you can personally connect with. But I also would recommend, you know, make it someone who may think differently than you do. And it, maybe it doesn't have to be a mentor. Maybe it's just the people you kind of surround yourself with too. But um, you're going to be working with people who think in so many different ways. And um, one of the things that will make you successful is how do you bring a group of people who think very differently together to kind of work towards that 
that one mission or one goal. Um, and I think that having that diverse set of community around you, helping prepare you for that is key in, in navigating that traditional culture that exists today. Oh my gosh. All the snaps, Yolanda, that was beautiful. Um, I think what you said is, was perfect about, you know, having mentors that have different perspectives for you, from, from you, because that's, what's going to help you think differently, think outside of the box. And, you know, one of my mentors told me, you know, find a mentor that's not your boss. So, you know, a lot of people think of a mentor being your direct boss because you work so closely with them. But think about it because your boss is asking you for specific deliverables, you know, um, you know, not to say you can't use them, but find someone outside of like your day-to-day work who can help strategically like guide you, um, from outside of work and to where you need to be. And so I just want to share that, that, that point there is, you know, finding the mentors to really help you navigate. And then also look, looking for other opportunities. Like I know, like the Bay area has this like, um, professional, uh, women's business conference. Um, and I love going to those because you always just feel empowered to see people who look like you or aspire like you and are where they're at. And so just seeking those things, I think has really helped, helped me kind of navigate. Um, and also having a really good partner to lean on, right. To bounce ideas off and just encourage you, um, that you are enough. Cause I feel like there's just always this feeling of like imposter syndrome. Like I said, I, I stand at like a, like a, a whopping five feet, like, you know, it's just, it's scary. So, um, you know, just knowing that there's people out there to support you and that you are meant to be exactly where you are. Um, it's not going to be easy, but that, um, that, that healthcare, the healthcare system, healthcare leadership needs um, our perspective and people like us, you know, to be in the ranks. You know, when I found your podcast and when I found the resources you're providing in, in kind of in the, you know, short amount of time that we've known each other, how inspiring it has been to kind of hear about your pathway and hear more about like, I'm always really fascinated in how people stay up to date with what's going on in healthcare. So my question for you is what are your go-to sources for staying up to date with the latest healthcare news? Yeah. So I think for me, it's just a couple of things, right? Cause it, it is a lot of information to get inundated or you feel like you're behind. So I think one thing is LinkedIn. I definitely will kind of just like browse at like what people are reposting, what other companies are reposting, like new initiatives or new types of technology that are coming out. Because I feel like technology is really what's going to be driving the evolution of healthcare. So um, it's not like really one source. Things I also sign up for, like the local Sacramento Bee news. And then that gives me like, oh, this company is launching in the Bay Area or because the Bay Area areas like Silicon Valley, there's always just new technologies. And so um, I also look at our competitors, you know, um, right now, one of the, our biggest competitors is Amazon Care. 
And the fact that they're able to like churn things around so quickly, immediate access, immediate, like that's what people want right now. Primary care in their homes, primary care in their fingertips, primary care, you know, delivered to them. And so I think that that's like Amazon has been something just like that I've been kind of keeping my eye on and, and what they do um, and just figuring out like, who are they partnering it with? What technologies are they using? Um, and because what we are like, we're pretty much the brick and mortar um, healthcare system, but we're very integrated. And I really believe in our integrated model where you come in and everything is there for you. Um, but then also there's a lot of areas of opportunity. And so I think it's just always about being relevant and seeing not just healthcare, but what are companies doing outside of healthcare that can really um, inspire your work, if that makes sense. I just like, I think like, for example, like um, Stitch Fit. So we did kind of a model of that for our prenatal moms. It was like, getting them into our classes. And then um, in, in order to encourage them, it was like, there is this letter, welcome to the health education. This is your educator. Here are like, um, like breast warmers. Here are your um, materials. Here's a cute prenatal scarf. And just to make things more personalized, right? It's thinking not just healthcare, but like, what are these other really cool companies that you use iPhone, your, um, the clothes that you buy, like Nordstrom, what is that customer experience that you're like, I am going back there. I'm going to keep shopping there because of what they did to me. You know, that is healthcare. Healthcare is a business. It's customer service. And I think that that's kind of how I keep up to date on being innovative and new ideas. I love that response. Our generation tends to look more kind of like, well, how am I, you know, able to book restaurants at the tip of my fingers and be able to, you know, um, get my package delivered next day if I wanted to. And like, I think they're, tr they're going to be making decisions based on that within healthcare. I do think that that's something that we need to be on the lookout for and just thinking about how do we kind of keep with the times and make sure that we're delivering the service that we need to for our patients. There's obviously so many things that you've learned in your in your pathway so far but if you could only share one lesson with people who are coming into this field and starting their careers in healthcare administration what would that lesson be mm -hmm. um and this is these are words that a mentor shared to me and they were like just two words you know and what he would say is be relevant like mm. be relevant. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it, you know, and that those two words have stuck with me so much just because, you know, be relevant, relevant in social justice issues, relevant in, you know, police violence, be relevant in innovation and technology. Like the minute you become stagnant in how you think or how you, um, you know, um, don't want to change or um, that's when you get left behind. And I want to say like, that is what healthcare is. Healthcare 
is changing by the minute. And as you guys have seen, like with COVID-19, um, you know, I just love to learn from people outside of my industry, outside of healthcare, like entrepreneurs, because um, being a leader is also about setting vision and setting, taking your team to a place that they've never been before. And it's scary, you know, but um, kind of being on top of the game that way, I feel like is kind of one lesson that I felt that I feel is so important with this upcoming generation is just, you know, what are the new ways that we can continue to innovate? What are the new ways that you can think about how healthcare is being delivered? Because COVID really just like flipped us over and pushed us in ways that we could never think before. And I feel like that is now my mindset now is just be relevant and you fail fast and, you know, failing forward. So, you know, and be fearless, be okay, like be okay with failing. Failing is learning. So, so true. Thank you for sharing that. I think this was um, amazing and it's always a great opportunity to be able to like meet you, hear your story and hear your pathway, the lessons that you've learned. Like I just know that the listeners will definitely be able to take away so much and there's so much of it that they can start applying now. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here and for listening to this episode. If this is your first time here, welcome. Please click on the subscribe button wherever you're listening. And if you enjoyed the episode, please be sure to leave a rating or review of the part you enjoyed the most. I look forward to meeting you all back here soon.